I'd like for you to turn, if you uh, haven't already, to Matthew, the 28th chapter. We're going to be turning to this in just a minute. The 28th chapter, verses 18 through 20. It's in page 706 in the Pew Bible. Um, If you want to go ahead and keep your finger there, we'll come back to that in just a minute here. We've been speaking about the three C's, celebrate, cultivate, and today, communicate. And I've altered the title just, just a smidge. Uh, the, the title is not just communicate, but it's communicate with authority. We want to communicate with the authority of Jesus Christ and what that means for us as people following after him. You know, this, this, this idea of evangelizing the world, of, of preaching the good news of Jesus to a world that needs to know him, can sometimes be intimidating for many of us. It's, uh, it's something... That, that gives us the heebie-jeebies sometimes when we think about you know, uh, what it means to communicate the gospel to somebody. You know, it's easy sometimes to serve somebody and to help them with good deeds, but it's a whole other thing to put yourself out there and, and, and talk about your own testimony of faith and, and to evangelize and to speak about the gospel. Well, you know, we come up with lots of methods and, and cool ways to think about how we can reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ in our contemporary world. People sit around and all they do is sit there and think about cool methods and means to do this. Well, I just want you to know that they're not all great ideas. Um, What you don't want to do is what this guy does. And this is called dishonest evangelism. Hold on a second here. All right, we're going back so you can hear this since we don't have the sound hooked up correctly. Which is not their fault, by the way, it's my fault. I didn't think about the fact that sound has to come out of my laptop into there. Okay, take us back, if you would, to the beginning. If of you that. become a Christian, everything in your life will be perfect forever. <laughs> After you accept Christ, you can go back to living however you were living before, and it's totally okay. I found it necessary to start stretching the truth a little bit in order to get people to become Christians. Look, the tithe is just a suggested donation. Once you're a Christian, you won't have to pay that. It's one of the benefits of being saved. I tried telling the truth, but come on. If I told you about a club that you had to pay 10% of your income, forever and get up early every Sunday to go hear a guy who's trying to make you feel guilty and you might get persecuted or disliked for being a member, would you want to join? Yeah, me neither. Also, church attendance is optional. After you said the sinner's prayer, feel free to skip church for a few years. Worship and fellowship are really not that important to God. I know sooner or later they'll find out the truth, but by then they'll have the Holy Spirit. So I figure they'll stick with it. I know as Christians we're not supposed to lie, but a few tiny fibs can't hurt. Accept Christ, and God will make you skinnier, taller, and more attractive. Yeah, I'd be happy with just skinnier. Can I get an amen? How many of you remember the old speak and spell computer? You remember that? Okay. All right. Uh, For the youngsters among us, 
And um, I'm not quite the youngster because I remember the speak and spell. Uh, for the youngsters among us, the speak and spell was a <laughs> computer um, that you typed a word into and it spoke the word. I know, it, it, back in the day, that was a big deal, believe me. Before personal computers and uh, before cell phones and, and cool technology like that, this was cutting edge. Well, uh, there was a little boy named Matthew, about five years old, and he had received his uh, speak and spell for Christmas. And he was going through the typical five-year-old words, you know, C-A-T, cat, you know, D-O-G, dog, um, those kinds of things. And his mom was, was hearing him in the other room. And this little boy, Matthew, uh, thought, hmm, G-O-D. The speak and spell thought for a moment, and, and it just came up and said, word not found. So Matthew tried it again, G-O-D. Same reply, nothing. So he looked at this, this little computer in disgust, and he declared to it, Jesus is not going to like this. That boy had a sense of the weight and authority and the place of Jesus in the world. He thought that even, even from this little, little computer, that if it didn't acknowledge with its mouth that Jesus, that God is real, then obviously the computer didn't understand the place of the authority and role in Jesus, of Jesus in his life. I think little Matthew had it right. Let's look at Matthew uh, 28, verses 18 through 20. In this section here, the Scriptures say that Jesus had been given all authority. It starts out like this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age. If Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of all of the lords, then what he likes does matter. Little Matthew had it right. Now let's think about this for just a minute here. Matthew 28, verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's quite a statement. That's a big deal, friends. That's a kind of a statement that leaves no room for debate. It is not I feel this or I think that. It's not most opinion polls say. It's not it might be. It's a straightforward statement of the authority of Jesus. Now consider the scope of this claim. It says all authority, not some, not most. It says all. All authority in heaven and on earth. Not just heaven, but also on earth. It's an expression that means this heaven and earth idea together that means everything and every place. There's one writer that puts it this way. There is not one square inch of the entire creation about which Jesus Christ does not cry out, this is mine. This belongs to me. Not one square inch of the creation. Now, he isn't just claiming in this authority, he isn't just claiming personal or private authority, but all authority. Not just authority in the church 
or just authority in like religious or spiritual matters. It's all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus claims to be the top dog. He claims to be the boss, the one who has the right to call all of the shots. To use more traditional language, Scripture says he is king of kings and lord of lords. It's a huge claim that leaves no room for compromise, no in-between. Either he is or he isn't. Now, this is an important claim that touches all areas of our lives. It means that Jesus' authority is not just something that, uh, that, that, that works in the White House, but not your house, or vice versa. You see, his word, his authority, is just as important when you are sitting in your living room as it is when you are sitting in this room. If it's true, then no one on the planet or in the universe or everywhere and anywhere, no one is exempt. The richest in the world, the poorest of the world, the most popular rock star on the planet, or the struggling artist that no one's ever heard of. All of them answer to Jesus. Now, you see, this is important because if this is true then someday every single one of us in this room and everyone on the planet who's ever been created over all time will be held accountable for how we have reacted to this claim. We'll be held accountable for how we have responded to the authority of Jesus over all creation. You can disagree, you can agree with the claim, But you cannot say that the claim for Jesus to have authority over all creation doesn't matter. This may well be the most important subject you've ever considered in your entire life. That is, whether or not Jesus has authority in our lives. Now, let's ask the question for a while here. Why would anyone take this claim? Why would anybody think that this claim should be taken seriously. I want to offer two quick answers here. The first is this. The first of the two answers about why anybody would think this claim should be taken seriously is this. Jesus' claim fits with what he has said since he said it. It fits with what has happened during all that time since he made this claim. There's a famous preacher who said this about Jesus' claim. Nineteen long centuries have come and gone. And today, he, meaning Jesus, is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. Every time you date a check, every time you note your birth date, or turn the page of a calendar, you and I give silent testimony to the fact that Jesus Christ has changed the course of all history. And it only makes sense for this claim if that's true. It's a reason to take his claim seriously. Secondly, Jesus' claim also fits what what happened before. It fits with what happened before. Those who knew Jesus best 
tell us in the scriptures that he demonstrated his claim, his authority, in three different ways. First, he taught, he taught, he teached, he spoke the gospel with authority. Even at the age of 12, it says, the young Jesus astonished the religious teachers at the temple with his understanding. He amazed people at a young age even with his teachings because they said he spoke as one with authority and not as other religious teachers. These common people flocked to hear his words and he astounded the politicians and the kings and bewildered his own opponents and enemies by the way he reflected their own criticisms. So Jesus' teachings demonstrated his authority, but so did his deeds. So did his works. So did the things that he did. He lived a life of goodness and of mercy. Even the ruler who ordered his execution could find no wrong in him. He healed the sick, made the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak. Lame men walked at his very call. He stilled the storms and he raised the dead. The world then and now was filled with charlatans and magicians who claimed supernatural powers. But Jesus didn't just claim it. He actually did it. Even his enemies knew that he was a force to be reckoned with. And he insists, he insisted that his miracles are more than just a show of his power. He said they were evidence of his authority and his ability to perform the greatest miracle of forgiving sin. So he taught with authority. He displayed it with his deeds. But he also, he openly claimed it. In the world today, there are many who say that Jesus didn't really claim to be Christ. He didn't really claim to have all authority in heaven and on earth. But if you read the scriptures plainly, it indicates that that's the case. He openly claimed it by saying, all authority that exists on the planet is mine. These final words, these final words that he spoke were not the only time he had said something like this. He insisted, I was the only son, the only begotten, the only one from God. Equal with the Father, he said. He taught that he existed before the saints of old and warned that he would come again as the judge of the living and the dead. You see, his claim is something that must be reckoned with, whether you know it or not, whether you're aware of it or not. His claim is something to be reckoned with. There's a great passage by a writer named C.S. Lewis that says this, No one can logically claim that Jesus was just a great moral teacher, but I don't accept him as God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any of the patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, nor did he intend to. All authority... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's a, it's a statement that carries huge implications for us today as we talk about the idea 
of communicating the gospel. We're looking at this statement here. There's a lot more we can say about this passage called the Great Commission. But it's the opening statement for this call to his disciples as he left. It's the opening statement where he speaks to them and says, Go with boldness that I have gone before you as the authority over all creation. These instructions for us answer once and for all the question of whether or not the followers of Jesus Christ should invest their time or their talents or their treasures their resources in spreading the gospel. These instructions should answer once and for all the question of whether or not your life is yours or your life is under His authority. This question should once and for all answer that question of whether or not you are your own or you are His. Because the death He died on the cross was far far too meaningful and important and costly for his authority to go only into, you know, half of my life. The death of Jesus on the cross was far too costly for that to be the case. And we look at this, this, this one little passage so that you and I can know that what, whatever we do, whatever we say, wherever we are, whether it's a small word of encouragement to somebody here in the body or it's a word of the proclamation of the gospel to somebody who's never heard the gospel, that you and I go with the authority of Jesus Christ so we can be bold, we can be shameless, we can plug the cause of Christ in the world as if, as if, you and I are called to something far greater than just half of our life, than just part of the authority of my life. This authority settles once and for all the question of what your life is about. Missionaries cross mountains. Missionaries cross oceans. They cross borders. They go into places of sacrifice they go into places where their lives, personally, and their families are at risk because Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's why churches give money to support colleges and seminaries, to train evangelists and missionaries and preachers. That's why congregations give away thousands and thousands of dollars to support people in the cause of Christ in the world that's why churches plant churches. Because Jesus is in charge. Because the authority is there for us. Because He commanded us to go. Believers who have been saved by the grace of God through what Jesus did for them, they pray for their friends. They, they invite them to hear and to learn about Jesus. To look for opportunities in their own lives. For that, for that Holy Spirit nudge to proclaim the gospel to somebody's life. All because Jesus said this. It's a life 
life-changing statement of absolutely global importance. And everything we do as a church stands or falls on the authority of Jesus. Not mine because I'm up here talking. Not yours because you have an opinion about something. Not, not anybody's, not, not an elder's because they have an office. The only reason anything is true is because Jesus said it was true. And what we do here rests, stands, and falls absolutely on the authority of Jesus Christ over every single inch of our lives. If you think, friends, as we often do, as we all do, if you think, you know, I'm ill-equipped to share the gospel. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too shy. I, I stutter. I don't have all the right words. My, my answers aren't always quite right. I, I don't know enough Bible. I'm not smart enough. I'm too sinful. I've got too much this. There's too little of that. If that's what we think about whether or not we are able to communicate the gospel, then think for just a moment about the people who God used throughout scriptures. Throughout the Bible, God used many inadequate, weak, ill-equipped people to communicate the gospel. Moses stuttered. David's armor didn't fit. Hosea married a prostitute. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Solomon was too rich. Jesus was too poor. Abraham was too old. David was too young. Timothy had ulcers. Peter was afraid of death. Lazarus was dead. For a while. John was self-righteous. Naomi was a widow. Paul was a murderer. So was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip and a bigot. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burned out. Martha was a worrywart. Samson had long hair. <laughs> Noah got drunk. And did I mention that Moses had a short fuse? As did Peter and Paul. Well, lots of folks. Friends, for us at First Christian Church, to communicate the gospel means everything you can possibly think about that takes the authority of Jesus and preaches it, not just with our mouths, not just with equipped smartness, but with our deeds, with the way we demonstrate with our hands and work. Whether it's here in the nursery, whether it's planning an event for us all to share in, whether it's turning on the coffee for your Sunday school class, whether it's sweeping up after those messy kids, whether, whether it's you coming to prepare communion, or you in your workplace or with your family, speaking the truth of the gospel into their lives, being encouraging with the way that you speak about the good news of Jesus Christ for their lives. whether you're here doing those sorts of things or you're overseas or you're out at your workplace or you're anywhere on the planet, all authority over every inch of creation is given to you and to me to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we just 
if we just keep this gift to us, to ourselves, then we have not taken seriously the message of the full weight of the authority of Jesus Christ over every single inch of our lives. There are are countless ways for you to participate in this important work of the gospel in the world. It doesn't have to be something that that you see in the bulletin that we need you to volunteer for. It it, it doesn't have to be something that, that we are putting on as a program and we're asking you to sign up for on the resource tables. It doesn't have to be that. It can be any way in which you use the gifts and the resources and the talents with which God has equipped you to extend the gospel to the world. Friends, that is an enormous call. It's the reason we as a church exist. To participate in the kingdom extension and the redemption of the whole world and the authority of Jesus Christ being spread over all creation. Friends, if you want to be a part of that, we want to ask that you would respond. If you don't have a church home and you're a baptized believer in Christ, we want to ask you to respond. If you've been immersed as a believer and want to be a part of what we're doing here to extend the kingdom to the world, to communicate the gospel in all its various forms, we want to ask you to come forward as we stand to sing. Or if you've not named Jesus publicly as your Lord and Savior in baptism, we ask that you come forward to do that as we stand together to sing.